what is one of the primary things to our lack of spiritual maturity? What is one of the most influential factors in division and hindrance to edification in the church, the body of Christ? As we answer those questions and look at the broader subject of edification and the instruction given to us in God's word, we begin to realize all the more of our flesh, of our natural inclinations to do simply what we want. In turn, what we need to recognize and what we always need to constantly remind ourselves is of the gospel. Welcome to the weekly Wholesome Words podcast where we examine the sound doctrine in God's word with a specific purpose to know Christ, gain the renewing of our mind, that we might prove his will in our lives, that all things would work together for his purpose. I'm Josh Trelecki, pastor and teacher of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join me in this episode as we look at remembering the Lord's death. The foundation of Christianity, the line of demarcation, is the beautiful and blessed gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The profound nature of the gospel is what strikes to the core of man. It reveals the darkness of our hearts with its penetrating light, and therefore it is glorious. Uh, We see this expressed in uh, quite a few passages in Scripture, specifically the Apostle Paul who was given the revelation, uh, the revealing of the cross and the redemption that's found in Christ Jesus. One of those famous passages is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when he talks about, again, the peculiar and profound and striking uh, influence uh, of the gospel. In chapter 4 and verse 4, he says, as he talks about not fainting and manifesting the truth Uh, to every man's conscience. He says in verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Jump down to verse 6. He says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Is the gospel itself that is the light that shines in men's dark hearts. It is a very powerful message. It's a moving message. He says in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians that it is as we preach it and as we teach it and as we share it, as we do the work of the evangelist, as we function as in the ambassadors and we ambassage with the message of reconciliation, in God's stead, in Christ's stead, that we are a sweet savor of Christ. This savor is both in them that are saved and in them that are that perish. The savor of death unto death, and the other the savor of life unto life. So therein we see that the gospel 
is profound. It is powerful. It is light to darkness. It is life in the midst of death. One of the things that makes it so profound is its unworldly nature. It strikes by its unworldly nature to that which is worldly. Its glory penetrates our dullness. Its power hits our weakness. And it does so in describing its power, manifesting its strength. As it does so, it reveals our weakness. It manifests our dark hearts. And this comes in the way of righteousness. In view of God's holiness, in view of God's righteousness, we begin to see how frail man is, how evil man is, how corrupt, twisted, crooked is man's heart. It is full of pride. It is full of unrighteousness. And it seeks to do that which is not convenient. That which is not fitting to God's original purpose with man's mind and heart. Man's being of what he created man for. So we see this tremendous message that relays to us how holy God is. In view of how holy God is, we realize how unholy we are. God is creator. There is none like him, nor none that can be likened to him. He is apart from his creation in the sense of holiness. He is creator. Sure, there's a relationship between creator and creature. However, he is separate. He is the creator. He is holy. His essence and attributes manifest in his relationship among the Godhead and manifest to his creation, revealed to us by the authority of Scripture how holy, holy, holy he is. It is in view of that we begin to realize how man is nothing. Even more, or moreover, with sin, and every man being born in Adam and having sin, man is nothing. We are nothing in and of ourselves. There is nothing that belongs to us that is our own, that we have some rightful claim to. That alone is God's. He possesses rightful claim of all things as creator. We simply live and move and have our being in him, as the apostle says in the book of Acts. And this is an important part of the gospel. To recognize that we are sinners. There is nothing that we do that pleases God. In fact, our carnal mind is at enmity against God. We are the enemies of God by nature. We are under sin, guilty before God. The law declares that to be so. 
We are not righteous. No, not one. None do good. No, not one. Our mouths are vile and they speak that which stems from the treasures of our vile affections of our heart. We are filled with greediness. We are self-seeking. Self-seeking our own pleasures, our own affections, our own desires, our own wants at the cost and the detriment of others. We lack a godly love. We lack godly charity. And we fill fill ourselves as with our father, Satan. As we are born in Adam, our father, the devil, who takes that which was given to him by reason of his brightness, was puffed up, became prideful. And that's what we do as well with life. We turn it into a pride of life. The gospel reveals our unrighteousness in the face of God's righteousness. It reveals God's wrath against us in view of his glory. It reveals our sinner position in view of his holy, righteous, just position. We see the reality of this all the more at Calvary when Christ who is who knew no sin was made sin for us what he went through and how God really views us and what we're really worthy of is his wrath eternal condemnation we are nothing yet we also see God's great love and the riches of his love and the riches of his grace his great love for these creatures that have turned against him that have become vile and vain and reprobate and that although we are nothing he is something he is great he is almighty he is powerful and he has provision for man to save us this too we see at calvary for christ isn't simply doing something to reveal god's hot wrath against man but he's also being made man's substitute so we see god's righteousness we see man's unrighteousness epitomized at calvary in both his justice and his mercy as he makes provision for our redemption. Now why is this so important to go over as we look at the foundation and the line of demarcation as it regards Christianity? Well, it's because of a forgetfulness of that reality of who we are in and of ourselves that we all too often forget once we believe that Christ is our only an all-sufficient Savior from the debt and penalty of our sins. We forget that we were in a dire predicament, needing to be saved from the debt and penalty of our sins in order to be right with God. And thus we forget that truly our sufficiency is only in God and can only be found in Jesus Christ.
There's a few times that the Apostle Paul makes reference of this in his word, in, in God's word. One time, in view of edifying the Corinthians to teach them, to, to grow them up, they were babes in Christ and they were to grow spiritually this pride that is so natural to man that was somewhat dealt with in view of the gospel has crept in again. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, he says, If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. You shouldn't look at yourself when you know some things as if you didn't receive what you were supposed to know. Time and time again, the Apostle Paul does this. Look at another one. Uh, he says in Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, in uh, Galatians uh, chapter 6, he says, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. For if a man think himself to be something, he's talking to believers. We are something in Christ, but in ourselves, we are nothing. And if we lose sight of that, if we don't remember the Lord's death, its reason and cause in view of who we are by nature, then we're going to end up deceiving ourselves. And that's going to come out in many other areas of our life. He says in Second Corinthians chapter 12, I become, verse 11, I am become a fool in glory, and ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. He says earlier, he says, I am what I am because of the grace of God that is with me. He is what he is because of the grace of God. And he never loses sight of that. That is what is supposed to grow. A humbling of ourselves and he will exalt us. Yet if we lift ourselves up, he will make us abased. This is one of the key issues to our individual spiritual growth and one of the core principles of the body of Christ and its growth with one another. For instance, if you look at, again, in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, he says in verse 26, Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And that's when he leads in to that verse I referenced before. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. It is our understanding of ourselves in view of the gospel that allows us to be empathetic towards others. He says in Titus chapter 3, in talking about principalities and powers, he says, put them in mind, that is the believers, to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also are sometimes foolish, 
disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. It is in view of ourselves and knowing ourselves in light of the gospel that allows us to do so many things. So many things. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Because you know yourself, you're able to have meekness towards those that oppose themselves. The word must be preached. The word must be taught. It is the word and the spirit with the medium of the word that is going to do the work. And therefore we wield that sword of the spirit. We utilize the word, but we do so in meekness, in view of knowing who we are by virtue of the gospel. We are to remember the body that was broken for us and why it was to be broken. And we are to remember the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and why it was shed. And that humbling understanding is to grow all the more. And when we continue to have a lesser view of self, have a greater view of others and more importantly we'll have a greater view of God our Father and His Son the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll be meet for the Master's use we'll be prepared more so unto every good work because we'll be able to do it in the spirit that we ought to have do it in the knowledge of who we are by nature and we'll do it in the knowledge of the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord and that our sufficiency and our strength and our wisdom is all found in him my hope and prayer is that you would be found in him and him in you may we never forget the gospel that we first believed. Until next time, look up.